Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lit. This is episode 40, and what I like to think of as our most depressing episode yet, um, because Sydney's pick this week is quite the wild ride. Sydney picked these seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna, which is just about as happy as the title uh, gives away. But before we get in too far, I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. So I just want everyone listening to know that I rolled my eyes so hard during that little intro. Because <laughs> you there's was nothing funny. wrong with this book. It was a wonderful book. It is one of the depressing books I've read in quite a long time. And you know this. I have texted you this. No, many, I know. Like 10 times. Being of this book. I was just like, Sydney, what yeah. book did you choose? You were way ahead of me. So you just kept saying, this book is really depressing. And then yes. like a day would go by and be like, this is getting worse. This is awful. And I'm over here like not even a third of the way in. And I was like, oh, tooting along. It's all fine. I'm like, what ha- What happens here that she's so worked up about? But I just had to let the people know whose pick it was. <laughs> that, I mean, that's fine. And so this is a pick. Literally, you were asking me, you were like, how did you find this book? <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, where did you find this? Because it's so depressing. I found it on the sale table at Barnes & Noble and it had a pretty cover. So I picked it up. And I read the back, and I was like, okay, that sounds good. It's half off. I'll take it. And There's a reason. Listen, I liked it. I didn't think it was that depressing. I think it was really good. Don't get me wrong. I really liked this book. That doesn't mean it wasn't depressing, but this book was – it is the debut novel by Juliet Grames. And I honestly thought it was, like – a family story of hers like a personal family story because that's how she sets it up she you know it's about an Italian family she's Italian American so the whole time I felt like she was telling me a story about her family but I skipped ahead to the author's note not to the end of the book to the author's note to find out if it was real because that's how real it felt to me Yes, which she says in the note that it's not real, but I definitely think that she drew a lot of her, or I'm assuming that she did, because it is written so realistically. Like, I, and that's what I liked about it. Like, I could picture this family in any city in America, whether it's like Chicago and that version of Little Italy or New York or anywhere. Like, it was just the characters were so strongly written and so authentic. I loved it. Yes. I I highly recommend it. Not if you want to be happy, but I highly recommend it in any it's other not circumstance. That bad. It's not any yes. worse than like Winter Garden. Also your pick. I know, but okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so maybe it's me. But this one, is I it you? Say, Are you the drama? <laughs> I am the drama. <laughs> I am the problem. Hi. <laughs> no, I just we'll get we're gonna get into it, but yeah. I mean, we'll just tell me, 
one happy incident in this book just just one they have a really big and close family her relationship with her mother i was like i don't want to ruin it but (laughs) um i have a lot of rebuttals anyway (laughs) we'll get it before we dive in too far yes let's do the summary do you just want to do the book summary or did you come up with one um no i can just read it off the back of the book okay okay good This is The Seven or Eight Deaths of Stella Fortuna by Juliet Grames. For Stella Fortuna, death has always been a part of life. Stella's childhood is full of strange, life-threatening incidents, moments when ordinary situations like cooking eggplant or feeding the pigs inexplicably take lethal turns. Even Stella's own mother is convinced that her daughter is cursed or haunted. In her rugged Italian village, Stella is considered an oddity, Beautiful and smart, insolent and cold. Stella uses her particular toughness to protect her baby sister, Tina, from life's harshest realities. When the Fortunas immigrate to America on the cusp of World War II, Stella and Tina must come of age side by side in a hostile new world with strict expectations for each of them. Soon, Stella learns that her survival is worthless without the one thing her family will deny her at any cost, her independence. Yes. I have to say, I identified with Stella to a certain extent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To a certain extent, the whole independent, she didn't want to give in to everyone's expectations of her, um, although she has very different reasons than I do. But yeah. Yeah, that's why I meant <laughs> asterisk <laughs> to an extent. But um, yeah, I, I didn't like Stella. I was going to say, but also I did not really like Stella. She, yeah. like she said, she Which, hold on. We cold. should. And yeah, we should do our spoiler alert now before we get carried away. But you've heard the summary. You've heard a little bit of our grumblings. (laughs) Spoiler Um, alert, we didn't like Stella. (laughs) Yeah, spoiler alert, the main character, not the best. And it's kind of sad. But looking past (laughs) that, it's a really good book. So if you want to, press pause, go read it, um, and then come back and listen. Or just listen along as we tell you about this. So this book... Like I said, I just picked it up off of the Barnes & Noble table because it had a pretty cover. So good job to the marketing department. It drew me in. Mine and I has lo- grapes on the cover. Yeah, there's a different... Or olives? They're probably olives. I think they're olives. Yeah, so I... <laughs> typical. I bought, I bought this book a long time ago. But then when I was looking at some of our pod books, my library had it on Audible book or audiobook in the library app for free so I obviously downloaded that too so I bought this book and I opened it um one time I read one part I read one tiny part of it in actual hard copy and the rest I listened to (laughs) on audiobook and yeah it had a different cover but the that's so typical of you I know the audiobook yeah but then I love it because otherwise I don't think I could have gotten through this book it is very dense it is very dense. We had a this short is not a quick afternoon read. 
No, and not because it's not, like we said, it's good, but it spans an entire family through, like, over a century. So yes. There's just a lot of territory to cover in there and a lot of geographical information and family background, yes. which is really interesting, but it's just, like, kind of bogs you down. So I got it's to listen a lot. to it, and that helped a lot. Yes. So the way that book is broken up is like we said it spans over a hundred years of this family there's the main character Stella but it starts a little bit before she was born and it starts in her childhood part one and then part two obviously adulthood but then it's also further broken up into like her deaths because this book is called the seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna and let's just say she's an extremely unlucky person is it is it unlucky or is it lucky because she survives them all that's true that's a good (laughs) half half glass full wow glass half full (laughs) yeah that sums up our personalities i think like right there you are she is so unlucky and i'm like no but she's alive (laughs) she's so lucky (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so it's broken up into her deaths or the little incident that happened to her now her family her mother and her father were married at a very young age and they quickly with mary estella or stella now i have to say (laughs) one of the in my opinion one of the um disturbing parts of this book not disturbing that's a strong word i think i know where you're going and i think i agree but the way she writes like sex and birth were too descriptive (laughs) um for my personal i mean i mm, there's a part we'll get to later Maybe yeah. we shouldn't discuss this. But anyway, if you, if it doesn't bother you, that's fine. It's just a little bit too weirdly <laughs> descriptive for me. <laughs> oh, see, that didn't bother me. That. The fact that her mother's vagina looks like a fig. I did not ever want to know that. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I, I mentally blocked I that ahead. part out. But no. I jumped I ahead here. <laughs> The only times that bothers me is when it's in, like, the Bridgerton romance novel where it's so cheesy and gross language. Like, I despise that. Yeah. I just don't want to hear about seeing the baby's head come out of her mother's vagina, which looks like a fig. I was like, this is very, (laughs) this is a very weird part of the book to get so descriptive. (laughs) That's fair. But it also plays a big part in the book, like birth. Her, in, no, oh, just overall true. birth in general. I was like her mother's vagina. No. Um, sorry, I'm saying. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, it kind of takes it. That sets the whole tone for the whole family, but it does. So anyway, I got on this tangent, <laughs> but it starts with her mother. And father getting married at a very young age and having Mary Estella. So you hear about Stella growing up. She's kind of like the perfect child. She's smart. 
She's pretty. She helps her mother. She's so well behaved. Hold on back up. Because this is the part I thought you were going to say. So (laughs) (laughs) this is the the Stella that's the main character is the second Stella. Sydney, we did not get there yet. The first Stella died as a try as a baby. I know. I'm getting to that part because it's depressing. Okay, I thought she was younger. I didn't think she grew up to be that smart. <laughs> I she thought she smart was like for a little kid. You know, you can tell if people are smart by the time they're like two. Oh, I thought she was younger. I didn't think she was two. I think she's like two. Yeah. So, okay. spoiler alert: the first Stella dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which isn't funny. I'm sorry, I left, but. She dies at a very young age, around two, um, from, I think, like, the flu. Yeah, the Spanish flu, because the dad came back from the war and brought yes. it back with him. And brought it back with him. Which, Told red the- flag number one. He has so many red flags, we can't even yeah, he's a possibly walking. describe them all. Yes. And he was like, she doesn't need the doctor. She, I don't want to pay for the doctor. And then they woke up the next morning, and she had died. Yeah. So after that um, bright and shiny beginning, they get pregnant again, and they have another daughter who they also name Mary Estella. See, that was the part I don't like. That no, that, that is just asking for that gives life. me the ick so bad. Yes, yeah, like it's one they thing. It's her so much. They wanted yeah, to it's... bring her back to life, which is some pet cemetery shit, if you ask me. Yes, and like it's one thing to give. A middle name, like in memory, yeah, an honor, of first yeah. baby, but to give her the exact same name, no, yeah, no, thank you, no, thank you. So now we have Maria Stella the second, who is our main Stella Fortuna, and she grows. Up, she's just as pretty. She's as smart, but kind of lives haunted by her dead older sister and that is what they believe like her bad luck stems from is that she was named after this sister that died and so they you know they're very catholic it's a very catholic family and but however old world yes because like stella the second was born in 1920 and they're in like a little village in Italy and so they're very like yeah the Catholic but then also just spiritual about like the watching eye and things like that yeah very superstitious very superstitious they kind of they do like the sage leaves and or the mint leaves and Mm -hmm. you know kind of all these little um charms that they do but Stella grows up and or she's growing up and they have another daughter and this is Tina who they're very close. Stella's kind of like the um, very outgoing independent older sister and Tina is always the one that kind of walks around in her shadow and you mm-hmm. know clings to her but Stella takes it well and then Stella has kind of her first brush with death and these are kind of like wild stories because like the first one she they were like making egg they were frying eggplant on the stove and she reached up to touch it and she knew she shouldn't but just something came over her and the frying pan came down with all the oil and the 
hot oil like went all over her arm and you mm-hmm. know burned all of that skin so they had to run her down to the doctor they did like the first ever skin graft in that village on her and they were able to save her in her arm so that was Stella Fortuna's first death um, yes and then there's another one later on they get some pigs which is a sign of wealth there you know like they have animals they have a home at this point, Stella's dad has left again. He's over in America. He came back from the war. He was very unhappy. He decided to go over to America and then plan later to send for his family like a lot of people did back then. Um, but they had acquired some pigs and her mother was like, "Yo, go outside and, you know, feed the pigs these scraps from the table. And so they did. And she they do this like every day and the pigs are like their pets but at some point like she like something came over her and she couldn't open her hand she's like I knew I should and I was like willing my hand to open to let the food go but the pigs became very greedy and like trampled her and like kind of like tried to gore her almost yeah and kind of like sliced open her abdomen so they had to run her back down to the doctor again just you know a few years later and sewed her up was like you know I wouldn't count on her making it but she did and so she's just defied death again and again but now they're starting to kind of wonder like is she being haunted or punished by the first Stella yeah because she at this point Stella felt like that another hand was holding her hand shut. She's like, I know I should open my hand, but I can't because someone else is holding it shut. And so they're like, well, was it Tina, her sister? And she said, no, no. An invisible. Yeah. She was over there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're starting to think now that she has been cursed or, you know, the ghost of the older Stella is kind of haunting her. Yes. But I just love where I expected it to go. But it was I a, didn't like a either. Thing. And I loved kind of the old world. Old world I Italy. Yeah. And it, again, just makes me think about, like, the human spirit and how much people have to endure because yeah. of the whole, like, literally running down a mountain with your child whose guts are outside of their body and you're yeah. running them to a doctor just like oh my gosh I don't think I would make it back then (laughs) no not at all and they just like you said their human spirit they just persevered through everything it was Mm -hmm. like this is another obstacle all right we'll meet it it's okay we can meet this challenge it was never like an option for them they were just like all right now we have to work harder now we have to do this it was just I don't know they never like complained about their lot yes and her mom did like bore the brunt of it and that was was also crazy to me because we've already discussed that her dad is garbage and he gets progressively worse but for a lot of these times he wasn't even there because he just like left and they didn't hear from him for years no letter no sending money no hey I hope my children are all okay and you're doing good like just didn't hear from him for years so yeah. her mom and, I felt so and her mother, her yeah, they're trying Not to make that, it. But like she was raised 
to be a wife and a mother and she was so looking forward to it and the wife part at least did not live up to her expectations and you could just see how well he didn't tony didn't hold up his end of the bargain like he didn't fulfill the duties of a husband that he should have no so not at all but yeah so her second brush with death was with the pigs. Yes. And then her third one. So those two were like super clearly defined. There's others that we'll get into that are kind of odd. But this third one was they're a little bit older now. They're still in the village. And um, she and her sister and maybe some other kids yeah. were like, in a church in the church no one else was there it wasn't abandoned but just no one else was there and i don't even remember if they were like playing or what but it's titled in the book bludgeoning yeah but really she just gets like conked really really hard on the head by like a big heavy door right in church because they're trying to like I can't, I don't even remember. They're not really even playing hide and seek, but it's like she and Tina were trying to get out. They were in like the boys side of the school and they weren't allowed over there. So it was just kind of like, oh, we can go over here and no one will catch us. Mm -hmm. But it was again where she felt like, I think she was trying to open the door or hold it. And then she just felt it like give too easy. Like and had pushed it again and like conked her in the head really bad. Yeah, so she goes into a comatose state at this concussed. The doctor, once again, is like, you know, I want to count on her making it. But if she can make it through the night, then, you know, odds are looking good. And as she bounces back, she wakes up. Everyone's, like, around her bedside. We are, like, very, like, going over a very general at the beginning because the majority of the plot happens um, later in her life but mm-hmm. there's much going on at this time like we said this book is so dead she's like a teenager or preteen at this point like she's yeah. not very old and yeah has already had three brushes with death and there's so much of that's what I liked about this book was the way it was written and the expression because like there's this whole scene with a festival and yes you know meeting yeah meeting people from another town and how the girls were so excited to get to dress up and go partake in this town festival and just the little day-to-day things of you know living all in the house together with her her grandma and her mom and her siblings and then the work that she and tina do they um help like pick olives and then take it to be pressed and olive oil which that just fascinates me yeah that was really cool but throughout this time Stella throughout her childhood she sees how her mother is treated by her father both you know physically mentally emotionally really and how he abandons them and her mother just kind of gets on with it makes makes uh, her children's life the best that she can and really becomes very jaded 
mm-hmm. by men and by marriage. And I don't even know if jaded is a strong enough word. No, it's not. I just couldn't come up with another word. I know. Word. I don't know what the word would be, but she's so... Yeah, I guess it is just jaded. And that's, I think, part of why I didn't like her. I, but you can understand, like, just seeing how no, I, she, yeah. and how she grew up with men and the the role that men played in her life. I could, she, it went really far and it affected her life a lot. But so it I makes, no, it definitely from. makes sense. It yeah. just, as the reader, frustrates me. Yeah. No, it was very frustrating, but. That was a huge part of her, kind of her independence. She saw that she couldn't rely on anybody, but she could mm-hmm. rely on her sister and her mom and her grandma. Like, the women had to rely on themselves. And that was a lesson she learned very, very early on. But also, she applied that lesson incorrectly several times. And you saw yes. that. Yes. Um, so she took the man that her father was and projected that on all men. Yes. Incorrectly at times. Incorrectly at times. Correctly at sometimes, but yeah. Yes. So as we said, she has a very tenuous relationship with him. She hates her father, uh, to put it lightly, but eventually he's an abuser. He is an abuser. Um, both to the children and her mother. Mm -hmm. But eventually he does send for them from America, which they kind of thought, oh, you know, we're free. My mom's a married woman, but he has left us. So she was able to have her own property, have her own animals. But now he's, you know, kind of all these years later coming back for them. So he sends them all and gets them over to America with him, which well, everybody is just like distraught about this because they loved their life that they made for themselves in Italy and I don't yeah. blame them yeah they didn't want to go but then it was to that point of like well he's the husband and he's the leader of the family so we have to do whatever he said which is frustrating yeah. very <laughs> frustrating but he this... could abandon them without any yes. sort of you know punishment that they very, like <laughs> ambiguous it is very ambiguous because originally they were supposed to be on another ship but something on stella's like visa was misspelled could not go and they had labeled it as mario instead of maria like her dad trying to simplify things had just put Maria instead of Stella. Like, why not just put Stella? But whatever. He right. thought it was more American sounding. But whether it was a misspelling or a typo somewhere along the line, they thought it said Mario. So they were expecting a male. And the customs guy on Italy was like, we can't let you travel with this false document. Like, I can lose right. my job. They're going to turn you away. You just, it can't be done. None of you can stay here, which was devastating because at this point they had spent a lot of their money making the journey to the port town. They'd been gypped by a crook trying to get them, overcharging them. They just lost some money, whatever. So he turns them away and is like, well, he'll just have to redo the paperwork and you have to wait. But that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because the boat that they originally were going to be on 
caught fire out at sea and sank and everyone on board was killed. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like her brush with death was that they were so close to being part of that. Yeah. But they weren't. And then he did finally get the paperwork going again, which like how devastating because this takes years yeah to get through and then they're talking about this was a time when like america was going to start putting caps on immigration and you can we can only take so many people from certain countries so it's just a total lottery like crapshoot system yeah he manages to get the papers and then yeah they join him in america and i felt so bad for them because while reading about their life to us and you know this privileged world we now live in it may not seem like much it was so much to them and it meant so much to them and now this essential stranger especially to the children is taking that all away from them and demanding that they come over to this strange world and he hadn't even met the youngest kid like he had been home long enough got her pregnant and then left and had never even met the littlest one yeah. Which is wild to me. Yeah. So they get over there. They make it through immigration. And then he's not there. He's like not there to meet them, which made me so angry. Yeah. Typical. Because I'm like, you drag your family away from their home and this is what happens. But like you said, typical. But eventually he shows up when the office is like past closed. They were just being nice because they felt sorry a little bit longer. <laughs> And he drives them to their new home in Hartford, Connecticut. And it, Which it... also just like my mind can't even really comprehend that because we grew up like on the cusp of cell phones and as adults always having yeah. cell phones and navigation and whatever. But to think of coming to a completely new country where you don't know a single soul, you don't speak the language, and yep. you just have to trust that the person that's supposed to meet you is going to meet you. And they were like, maybe he's dead. Maybe like they're spitballing all these horrible things. And I'm just like, what would you even do? Like how I, horrible yeah. is that? And but then- I also, that's why I love this book. Cause I love like human strength stories. Yeah. And I, it is that. Yeah. It gave me, like, the fuzzies when they saw, you know, the New York Harbor and the Statue of Liberty. and. But before they left Italy, the or tried to the first time, Stella had visited her older sister's grave to kind of be like, are you jealous of me? Like, are you haunting me? And kind of like, please leave me alone. You know, we're not forgetting you because she thought... All this was happening to her because her sister's kind of spirit was angry that she was being forgotten. Um, and she kind of sees it as a fresh start in America to kind of get away from all that. And they make a really good life for themselves. You know, they get there. And of course, Tony did not uphold his part of the bargain. And they he claims that he has a house. He has everything ready for them. And they get there. And it's like this rundown raggedy moldy apartment Mm -hmm. and I think like in their backyard or something they like look out the window and there's like a shanty town back there and it's not in a good part of town 
it's small it's dark and again they're not disappointed they're just like all right well if he's not gonna provide the house that he said he would then we're all just gonna have to get jobs and save up to buy one ourselves yeah which Which, power to them like yeah just like pulling up by your bootstraps man it's just the definition they just work nonstop without complaint and I felt really bad <laughs> reading this I was like wow I complain about right? a lot of things and look yeah. how much I have so it definitely it, it humbles you you're like oh yeah it <laughs> puts it in be a better person well it just puts it in perspective how yeah that's what I loved about it is just how much it took to make our country what it is now like yeah even at all of its faults, which are many, but oh, yeah. <laughs> just the thought of, I don't know, this just felt like such an American story yes. of the melting pot and coming over here from another country because it's the land of opportunity. And then it like follows how their family trajectory happens. It was yeah. just really interesting to me. And I I love that kind of stuff in history. Yes. So I was all about it. But yeah, it definitely puts it into perspective that like wow I haven't had many hard days compared to these people right and but my favorite my personal favorite part of the book or well I don't know I really like the time they're in Italy but I loved seeing them make that life for themselves in America outside of work and you know all the effort that they had to do and put in to buy this house but you know Stella and Tina meeting some of the other Italian girls and their neighborhood and at their church and you know all the you know dances that they went to and getting I ready with each part. other at their houses and sewing dresses for the parties i thought that was fun cuz it was maybe the one bright spot in this book um <laughs> seeing how they made a life for themselves out of italy yeah i definitely loved those parts Yes. So they start to form friendships, like we said. Uh, They also start to catch some of the boys' eyes because they are now teenagers at this point. They're going to dances. And America's a new place. It's not like it was in Italy. You know, in the small town they came from, it was arranged marriages between the families. And it's that way in America to an extent, but also more flirtatious more the girl or the guy kind of they set eyes on each other and then it becomes a family thing rather than kind of the family transaction it was back in Italy Mm -hmm. there was a little more say between the couples yeah a little bit but there was still like their father especially was so old world that he he would put on the air of like I want you know, I want it to be your choice, but when push came to shove, he was going to make them do. Yeah, but he's whatever he wanted. Good <clears throat> and if they had like fell in love with someone who wasn't going to uphold the family name, he would have been like, "No, like you can't." Right. But so they're going to these dances. They're meeting these boys, and um. Stella and Tina are going after work at night. They're going to English classes so that they can 
um, learn the language better and then, you know, pass their citizenship test. And they're walking home one night when a car of boys, well, two boys, drove by them and offered them a ride home, which sketchy but um, but just think back then you're just like yeah sure like well they do not well they were like no like we can walk home like our our father would be so mad if he knew that we accepted a ride home from from two men but come to find out that the driver of the car was carmelo and carmelo's father knew stella and tina's father tony they had like worked together on the railroad back when Tony first came here and kind of had jokingly betrothed their two oldest children would mm-hmm. be Carmelo and Stella. Um, and now all these years later, Carmelo and Stella officially meet and in the car with Carmelo is his friend Rocco, who, you know, is interested in Tina. Yeah. Well, really both of them. Um, yeah, Rocco is kind of a... Rocco gives me the ick. <laughs> Definitely. And he gives Stella the ick the whole time, but he kind of knows that, like... I think he knows that Carmelo had his eyes on Stella, so he just turned to Tina. Yeah. the one to pursue. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so but they Tina expect- was all about it, like... About Rocco or the ride? She was not all about the ride. No, she's not about the ride, but about Rocco being interested, like... Oh, yeah, because she was she was very much of the mindset, she was the opposite mindset of Stella, where she wanted to be a wife, she wanted to be a mother, and, like, keep mm-hmm. a home for somebody. That was what she was good at. She was a great cook. She liked the family life, and that was her end goal. And yeah. Rocco offered her that opportunity. Yeah, so, yeah, Tina, I guess back to the car thing, Tina did not want to get in the car, but Stella's like, yeah, sure, why not? And so she does, and then that, like, kicks off, not even kicks off, but it gets the town gossiping about, like, oh, did you see Stella riding in this car unchaperoned with two young men, which, yes. I don't know. Scandal. Yeah, the scandal. Um, But this is kind of where the courtship starts. For Tina and Rocco and then Carmelo trying to court Stella and she is very resistant the yeah. entire time because she said from day one she's not going to get married she's not going to get married no way no how and she a lot of times is like downright mean to him yeah she's nasty to him because at first like he doesn't do anything to warrant that kind of response it's just her projecting her father's personality and her experience with him onto all men which I felt yeah I was conflicted because, like I said at first Carmelo doesn't do anything to deserve this but I also felt bad because at, like Stella's reasoning she like she wanted to live life the way that she wanted to but she wasn't allowed to and yeah. people were just like why can't you just like conform to this why don't why can't you just you know get married have children like everybody's supposed to everybody wants that it just made me feel bad that nobody took her seriously and she didn't get you know to live the way she wanted to because she you know 
wanted to save up and get her own apartment and live on her own. And she just wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah. And I do like, I do get that because you're right. She should have been able to have the choice to not get married if she wanted to, but unfortunately she was not living in that time Mm -hmm. when that was okay. And definitely not with her very traditional father. So I guess where I got frustrated which is easy for me to say not being in that time but it got to the point where it's like okay this is just your life now unfortunately even though you don't want it like mm-hmm. why not try to make the best of it mm-hmm. I know I thought and I, I feel like she myself. just worked she just worked against herself so much at times that yeah. I was like, just like ugh, I don't know I felt that way too at times, but then I immediately felt guilty because of like it just she worked against herself, but I think it was just ultimately I don't know. I I yeah. I mean, we can like it's easy for me to say that as a 21st century woman who is yeah, not ever in that position. So, yeah, of course, it's easy for me to say, "Oh, just you know, make the best of it when it's not yeah, when I've yeah. never been put in that position. Yeah. So. So Rocco and Tina get married. Yeah. And... They like waits an entire war for him. Yes. They he asked these like very plain, unemotional letters to each other throughout the war, which was kind of funny to me. <laughs> yeah, which he had asked for her hand in marriage before. The war and her dad being her dad was basically like, well, if you survive the war, then come back and talk to me. Which I was just like, why do you say that to someone? That's right. Horrible. In the war, like you would think you would give him some empathy and compassion, but it no, I think the war is what ruined him. Like worse. Yeah. Not that he was ever really great, but I think the war made it even even worse. But yeah, Rocco comes back from the war. They get married and. Stella has turned down Carmelo multiple times. Like he's tried to take her on dates and she'll go on dates with him and she'll kind of catch herself having a good time. But then she's like, no, I can't, I can't let him think I'm having fun. And then she'll do something kind of nasty to try to persuade him off. Yeah. That's the part of like, just let yourself enjoy this, let yourself enjoy the attention and see if this is something that you could want. Yeah, and I think that's where I got frustrated too is it's like he was being very nice and kind and she was enjoying it. And yeah, instead of just letting herself try it out, she was just like, no, absolutely not on no basis. And then she would do something really unlikable and nasty. Which I think we forgot the – I think we got ahead of ourselves here, didn't we? Isn't that her dream? Yeah, but I thought the actual what what I consider the actual death was like on their honeymoon. Oh, I thought it was the how... window thing. Well, like... I thought that was too, but that was just a dream. Like I kept waiting for that to be I brought think... into reality. So, uh... <laughs> give some context here. So, the fifth death um, is rape. And ever since they moved to America with her father, this is where things get very, very dark, in my opinion, and depressing. Mm -hmm. 
But ever since they moved to America and they live with their father, she's been having a recurring dream where there is nightmare. Yeah, a nightmare. This like nameless, faceless man in her room um, who's trying to rape her. And the first time she had it, Tina share a bed in the room. And Tina had like pulled her down back from the window because in her dream, she tried to escape from this man outside the by going out the window. And she did that in reality as well. And so if she, if Tina hadn't woken up and like pulled her away from the window, she would have jumped. And Mm -hmm. that was like, in my opinion, like the fifth kind of brush with death. You mean later on? I see what you mean. Which that was more like a physical quote unquote death. And this one that we're going to talk about is more like an emotional. And like a mental. Yes. Like the yeah, the death of her soul, basically. Yes. Which I kept waiting for us to it to be revealed that like it wasn't actually a dream and like it really was. Because at first she it's a nameless person and she like when the family wakes up, they're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? She often says, oh, I was, you know, I was dreaming or I don't know if it was real. And it was a black man. And so they kind of get all up in arms about it, which. Which she lied about that. Yeah, she lied about that. She felt guilty after. Because in reality, in the dream, every single time, it's her father doing it to her. Yeah. And so this is where I was like, okay, is her, is this her subconscious way of dealing with something that's actually happening? And I kept waiting for it to be revealed that he actually was doing it to her, but it never 100% was. I think it's yeah. it was just a mental fear and trauma because he had assaulted her a little bit when she was younger when they were back in yes. Italy. Yes. So I think it was just from that. But I, yeah, I see what you mean about the jumping out the window. This was yeah. this was one again with the boat, like where it wasn't one hundred percent clear on what yeah. the death was. But so she's been having these like this in her subconscious all the time, and this is what she thinks of whenever she's around men, and she's so terrified I did too she's like terrified of the idea of sex of having babies because she equates all of she equates all of that with like the bad things that her dad has done and that's the root of it all and she's like I don't want to do any of that but of course being in the time period and from the old style family she is eventually forced to marry Carmelo he like Bless his heart, I guess, doesn't ever give up on it because he really she had doesn't. She been, denies him so Yeah, denies him a bunch and he's like, okay, fine. And he, for a bit, moves to Chicago to like run a store with his brother and whatever. And then after about a year, that doesn't work out. So he comes back and he's trying again. And this is where her father really puts the hammer down and is like, I don't care what you think, you're getting married. Okay, and... that is putting it nicely. I'm actually, I'm following along in the book as we're going. Oh. <clears throat> and I, I have it just by coincidence open to the page. If you want an idea of how awful her father is, his exact words, because she complained that Tina had a choice if she wanted to get married to Rocco. Because he said, well, you know, don't ask me, ask my And that up, he said, you have a choice too. 
You can choose to marry Carmelo or you can go straight to hell if I have to kill you myself. Yeah. And he meant it. Oh, yeah. He's horrible. He meant it. He's terrible. So this is where her experience with men and her issues with that stems. Yes. So at this point, she starts to play a little strategy and she's like, okay, I've got to make she does at this point think I have to make it easier on myself. And she like agrees to get engaged and she's like, I'm going to go along with it. But at the same time, she's secretly funneling money away because Mm -hmm. she is working, but she has to turn most of her money over to her father, which well, that's a whole other side discussion, (laughs) but she starts funneling like shaving a couple dollars off here and there. And she's like, if I can save up, x amount of dollars i can move out i can get my own apartment they her father owns the building that they're in and he rents out some of the other floors to other people so she's like i know what he's charging for rent if i can just save up this much money then i'll run away on my own and that was the plan until her father discovers her like sock of money she'd literally been hiding it in a sock in her room that she and Tina used to share, but now since Tina's married, she and Rocco are in the room and Stella's been sleeping on like a pullout bed. And Rocco finds the money and turns it over to her dad. And he is I knew. He, I knew that little snitch. Yeah. Couldn't trust him. Yeah. And her dad is furious. Absolutely furious. Beats her extremely bad, brutally. Yep. So much that she's like on bed rest and couch rest. They won't let Carmelo see her because of how bad she looks. And she ends up having to go through the wedding anyways because she's like, you know, that was my one chance and I didn't get to take it. So she goes through with the wedding. And then they go on their honeymoon to Canada and they're going to visit some of Carmelo's his sister and her husband live up there yeah and this is where I struggled a lot yeah because at up to this point like Carmelo wasn't an unlikable character he was good to her his sister and brother-in-law were very good to her they like treated them to dinner they had all of these activities planned and whatever they booked a very nice hotel yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, Carmelo has done nothing wrong. He just went after the wrong girl and it was it was very unfortunate. But Yeah. And she is like because she's so traumatized from her father and like the dreams that she's been having, she is terrified at the idea of having sex with him, which yeah. obviously in the old world that's expected to like consummate your marriage all of that that's the wifely duty but she's so terrified she puts him off and puts him off and she just keeps thinking okay if we don't consummate it we can get annulled and i can just get myself out of this it's her way of pushing him away to be like yeah he's gonna realize he doesn't actually want to be married to me and then i can be like well i tried and then live my own life to the point where they're like out to a nice dinner with his sister-in-law. Yeah. And, or his sister and brother-in-law. And they'd been struggling to have kids. And she was so mean. She was so nasty. So nasty to his sister-in-law that this is and where she's I was like, like, 
oh, Stella, I just, like, it's hard for me to like you. Yeah, you're like, I want to like you. I cannot like you. She was so nasty. And she she just, like, had these wars within herself and always Mm -hmm. chose the wrong side because she was like, I have to make him hate me. I have to make them hate me to get out of this. But just, I was so frustrated and so angry because that was so uncalled for. Yeah. But then I also like paused and was like the desperation and fear. Oh, she yeah. Feel. Like it, it was so weird. Cause like you said, you want to like her, but the stuff, but then you just think the motivators behind her. It's just so depressing. This is what I'm talking about. I was just like, yeah. God, like, but then feel that, that lost and afraid all the time. Yeah. But then like, to his point, she says these horrible, horrendous things to his yeah. sister about, like, well, you know, maybe God hasn't given you children because you don't deserve them. And just awful yeah. things. As we should mention Tina, her own sister, is going through infertility at the same time. And, like, she would never say that to Tina. And then Carmela, like, you think it's going to be so bad that she's like, she thinks, okay, I've done it. I've said the thing that's going to make him want to divorce me. And he's just yeah. like, he's mad. But he just kind of is like, you know, you're my wife and I'm sure you didn't mean it. And I'm sure we can smooth things over with them and it'll be fine. And I like I felt sad for him in that moment, yeah. too, Absolutely. because I'm like, he's trying to be a good husband. But it was just a bad situation. <clears throat> so it's kind of at this point, this was like day five of their honeymoon where he's like, you're not going to put me off any longer. Like, we're married. This is what we are supposed to do. This is what we have to do. And so he rapes her. And that's what I took as, like, the actual... Yeah. I think so. Or, like, yeah, death. It's definitely the emotional <clears throat> and mental portion of yeah. it. Because it breaks her spirit that she, like, thought that she could hold out and get mm-hmm. her way out of it. And then she couldn't. Yeah. So, yeah, that was definitely heavy. And I felt it bad for her. From like, here on out. yeah. Just the mental struggle that she felt. Like, mm-hmm. that's that had to have been exhausting to live with. Like, to oh, live like that. I can't imagine. And I, I thought it was interesting because the first three deaths are very, or, you know, potential deaths mm-hmm. were very physical. They and but then, like you said, they become more ambiguous with the boat, with um, you know the the rape. Was it the physical aspects? Was it the emotional, or was it the combination? Mm-hmm. And the next one, which is death six, which this part is titled exsanguination, and then in parentheses motherhood. So there's like the title. And then in parentheses, there's always what phase of life Stella is now in, but also Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know, kind of connects the two. Right. Which I think this is interesting. And like, I'm not a mother, but I've always heard people like, yeah, to equate it to draining of blood is like, I don't know. I appreciate the symbolism there, but yeah very strong symbolism mm-hmm. very bold symbolism but Stella who never wanted to be married and never wanted to have kids is now married and has will have 10 kids 
10. Horrendous. 10. 10 whole kids. <laughs> That's horrendous. I will. <laughs> I, I repeat 10. They just kept coming. <laughs> they <laughs> like, just kept coming. They are Catholic. Um, I know, but woof. Yeah. And very sadly, like her mother, her first child died. He was actually stillborn. So she had kind of been against motherhood her whole life but as and she dreaded getting pregnant and even when she got pregnant she wasn't excited until she felt the baby move and then she mm-hmm. was like it was something inside me changed and that was all she lived for she lived for her child and you know you're happy to see some happiness shine through all this but then she goes into labor has a very difficult labor and um the baby is born stillborn which is which was heartrending and you could see how that affected her how that affected Carmelo which I could never forgive Carmelo for what he did but ever but he you know stayed by her side through this and you could see him as well um so this was a very dark portion of the book but Mm -hmm. this is kind of when stella first starts to get mad at tina because tina like we said she'd been having issues having children and ultimately they not having any because rocco had mumps in the Mm -hmm. war and so he's sterile and they can't have kids and she tries to be okay with it and she really puts on a facade. You know, she's like, we're happy the way we are. And that's how we decide. Like, if we, don't wanna, if we can't have kids of our own, then we're just going to love all our nieces and nephews, which they mm-hmm. have plenty. But she, Stella, like, during this time, she accuses Tina of being jealous of her. And, you know, you were jealous of my baby. And now you're happy that. Like, she says some truly horrendous things. Yes. But Tina stays by her side and Carmela stays by her side this whole time. So, after this, after they've had time to grieve and recover, she proceeds to have 10 more kids. Yeah. It was wild. It was, it was insane. Um, and they all, you get, like, a little blurb about each of her kids, which I thought was fun, like, yeah, it was like oh, on like you know September second, so and so was born, and this is how they that were. That part child. moved really quickly. It moved very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> for how dense this book is, like the end just kind of flies by, and then you kind of find out how what their personality was like, and all the hopes that they had for them, and then what actually happened. Um, you know, she lost a couple more kids. Um, I think Nino uh, went off to the war in Vietnam and he died at war and it it was this book just like has a way of like inserting these really depressing moments just like very quickly you're like reading about Nino and how he was everyone's favorite and he was so cute and had such a happy kid but then he died at Nam and you're like oh my god okay yeah and then it's like on to the next kid oh and- yeah all right here we go um so you find out about all of her kids and their lives and her younger brothers and their wives, which was, wow, what a wild ride. 
Um, There's a whole, there are multiple side plots in that even. Their family is bananas. Wild. Wild. Like at one point, her mom takes one of her brothers back to Italy to find him a wife because she's like, You're not going to grow up to be this good for nothing. Like, I will get you a wife. Goes all the way back to Italy and they come back married. And I was like, You know what? A woman on a mission. I did love her mother. I appreciate her mother a lot. Yes. Yes. So that, yeah, the death six is like almost with her first child, he was stillborn and she almost bleeding out. And then death seven is more back to like a physical, it's, she's older at this point. Her mom has passed away. Her kids have grown up. Yeah, it was heartbreaking when her mom died. When her mom and so they've all they, kind of they say it's like a patriarch, but she was the matriarch of the family. She's what held yes. them together. Because they the all no strength. one liked their dad. Like the right. Yeah, they all stayed. Tony. Her. Yes. And at this point they've moved. They're not in their like at first they start out in this multiple floor building where they're all kind of living, but then they quickly outgrow that. And so now they're all on like one street where Carmela and Stella have a house and then like just up the hill is Rocco and Tina and then across the street is her mom and dad and her siblings and so they've kind of had this little compound and they're all like right there together her mom has passed away and at this point now her one of her brothers there's a lot. I can't remember which one. But one of the brothers and his wife are now living <laughs> across the street. Was it Louis? Luis? I don't know. I don't know either. There are <laughs> so I also <laughs> love this book because there are so many solid Italian family names. I love yes. it. But it also Luigi. got very confusing. Yes. Very yeah. confusing. But either way, it's this brother and the sister-in-law that she can't stand like there's one sister it's whichever one went to italy and brought the one back they hated her yes yes and so they have moved across the they well they had been living there already because they could not save up enough money to get their own spot and now that her mom has died they just think well we'll just stay here forever and then we'll inherit the house so they're living there together and she still kind of goes over and checks on her dad and all of them, even though she doesn't like her dad, but like feels the family duty. So she's over there one day and her brother's gone and she knows because their car's gone, but she goes over and she finds the two littlest nieces. Well, she finds one of them in the hallway and no adults around. And she's like, why would they just leave you? Like she knew that the mother was gone because she had the car. Mm-hmm. And so she Stella's asking, like, where's everybody at? And this little girl's like, oh, the, my sister's in with grandpa. And so I was like, what are they doing? And she said, oh, they're playing the game. They're in the room playing the game, which immediate uh, red flag. This, yeah. like, set a pit into my stomach. But Absolutely. I, uh, I couldn't. Yeah. So Stella – Obviously, knowing her father is immediately red flag, and she breaks down the door 
Well, she realizes the little girl on the floor has no pants on either. So she breaks down the door into the bedroom and sees her father assaulting his granddaughter, this little niece. Mm -hmm. And it's horrifying. So she snatches, grabs the kids, runs across the street with them, gets them safe in her house, and is basically like in a rage wanting to kill her father. As she Understandably, yes. Yeah. So he did it to her whenever she was younger, yes. but not to this extent. And now she's wondered, cause she, out of all of her 10 kids, she had one girl mm-hmm. and she's like, oh my gosh, has he done this to her? Like she's just spiraling. And you can tell her daughter doesn't like him just yes. like by their interactions. So you start to wonder as well. Yes, because at some point, I think it's during that same day, her daughter has been looking for their dog, yeah. and she, did you say no or yeah? I said yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, I get things mixed up. Who knows? Her daughter had been looking for their dog. She couldn't find him. She goes to ask grandpa, hey, have you seen the dog? And he's really weird about it. And so she's like, I know that something yeah. is up. He's like, I took care of it anymore. Like, yeah. So then at this point, the granddaughter is like no, you're going to tell me what happened to the dog. He tells her that he took it out like three towns over an hour away and just dumped it. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, get in the car. Tell me where. And so they drive off to go find the dog. So now at this point, Stella's waiting for her sister-in-law to come back. And she's also like waiting for her, her father to come back to figure out what she's going to do. So she goes and confronts the sister-in-law. And this is what made my blood boil more than anything. Yeah, She's telling her, I caught him assaulting your daughters and she just basically she literally just shrugs and she's like yeah he does that sometimes but he's not like raping them oh my god and I was just because he wasn't actually like penetrating them and I was like what is wrong with these people (laughs) oh my gosh yeah her dad tried to explain it away then too he's like well I'm not ruining them yeah, because that was always his big thing, like, save yourself for marriage. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you're mentally ruining them. You're, uh, yeah, it was terrible. Just so, on a happy note, her daughter, they find the dog alive, and then they come back, and then at this point, Stella is, like, has threatened her father with a knife, and is like, if you ever do anything like this again, I will kill you. Yeah, and she, like, aims it at its crotch, is like, you get mm-hmm. it, girl. Just yeah. Take- now and so that's like she goes back she kind of realizes there's nothing she can do which i hated that she just like left the other two girls back over there that was mm-hmm. also heartbreaking but she's like what yeah. can i do because they're and not then, they're... yeah and so she goes back across the street and she's like well this has been a chaotic day i haven't eaten anything and she's there in the house and i think the kids are kind of like scattered at this point like some of them are still young and sleeping some of them are out with their friends doing whatever but she's eating in the kitchen by herself and starts choking on a chicken bone and almost passes out except that tina who lived up the hill and they've kind of like repaired their relationship they're still very close she just had this gut feeling of like i should go over and check on stella like i can see that she's home but I can't see her in the kitchen. So she goes to check on her and saves her, basically. So that's death seven. 
but also it's interesting the choking because at this point we get back to the Maria Stella the first um Mm -hmm. which I kind of forgotten about that subplot honestly at this point but it seems like at that point that the spirit of the first Mary Estella this is all like alleged you know went from focusing on punishing Stella to punishing their father and at the end of this section Tony does die from a heart attack but when he went out to like tell Tina, who is there also, she like would go over and make him dinner or breakfast every morning. He said, It feels like somebody's choking me. And he kept saying, She's going to kill me. And then he has a heart attack and dies. So it was the choking of Stella on the chicken bone, but also the choking of her father. By... Which I loved that yeah. whole like symbolism of it being the, the symbolism ghost of the in first... this book is on point, I will say. It is definitely. Yes. So now we're at death eight and it was always like, well, you know, there were seven or eight. It depends on who you ask, but this is cerebral hemorrhage or dementia. And this is when Stella is getting older. Um, All the kids have pretty much moved out of the house. She's a full blown alcoholic. She drinks wine pretty much from when she wakes up to when she goes to bed. She and Carmelo are living together, but distant. You know, they don't really interact with each other. She lives for her kids. But she goes downstairs basement one night to get another bottle of wine. And she'd been drinking a lot. And she misses a step because there's one that's a little bit narrower than this. And she kind of rolls her ankle and falls down the stairs and hits her head on the concrete floor gets a really bad brain bleed which luckily one of their kids came over that day and was like you know why is the basement door open like dad where's mom they find her down there and rush her to the hospital there's so much like good timing and luck yeah good fortune if you will around this (laughs) book with stella but this is the part where her like personality starts to flip and it had been yeah. hinted at from the beginning of this big rift between her yeah. and Tina the accident and all that yes and this is what led to that because she never fully comes out yeah of she this and comes body. back to her yeah blow about cuz her brain was swelling so quickly from the impact that it was kind of like this big, I mean, it is a big surgery still, but it was experimental more at this point. And they took out her frontal lobe with in your memory. Which I thought was so sad because. Yeah, it's depressing, right? Yes, but I would, <laughs> all of the points, like for as bad as this book is, I thought one of the positives was her relationship with Tina with because. Yeah, but like the sisterhood moment, of it all. Yeah, it's now switched to every time she almost died, Tina was there. And instead of seeing it as Tina was there to save her, Tina was there to help her, or it's just because they were t- every minute of every day, it's now that Tina was jealous of her and jealous of her life and wished yeah. this upon her. 
which is heartbreaking it is i mean they're old they they really only have each other at this point Mm -hmm. and for the rest of stella's life she will not speak to tina civil in her company and they go on well she kind of becomes like a person that the family like they don't they can't even really take her out in public because she there's you never know what she's gonna say and yeah. cause a stir like eventually Rocco dies Tina's husband and mm-hmm. so they're like okay we are gonna bring Stella and it's all going okay until Stella starts saying well Rocco really wanted me and he just settled for Tina and they're like oh, yeah. okay you gotta get grandma in the car time to go right. and it's like <laughs> it's something like all right grandma it's time for bed yeah, yeah like they're exactly. there it's like that meme <laughs> yes <laughs> with the old lady and the woman walking her out and it's like you yeah they're there grandma okay (laughs) but yeah it was just that was hard to she would just blurt out all these like yeah like it's all these things like she they were at a party um or at like dinner somewhere and she just said you know my husband raped me on my honeymoon and they were like Mm -hmm. all right grandma like you can't go around saying that or they were at like the anniversary party before Rocco passed away um and she said they will rat together in hell <laughs> yeah no <laughs> filter, laugh, absolutely yeah it was it was heartbreaking and this was one of the saddest parts for me right at the end of this depressing book how that relationship which was the one thing that kind of held steady throughout this book was eventually like torn apart yeah and you don't know like did Stella feel that way? Did Tina feel that way? Well, and that's she what just hit it. Yeah, it's really left up to interpretation about like, is this all Stella projecting, or was there a little bit of truth to it? Which I kind of liked that. Yeah, because then the, in the epilogue, it's back to the point of view of you know, like kind of the author telling the story of the family, and they're making, she's baking with Tina. And, you know, she had gone over to visit Stella first and then went to Tina and was, you know, Tina's the one who's been telling her all these stories. And Tina's like, so, like, what do you say about me in this book? And that it's not Stella's fault. Like, she's not right in the head. And she's just kind of going on, like, maybe you can say that I love her and I only want to take care of her and I only want what's best for her. Maybe you can write that about me. And the author's like, you know, that's what, you know, that's what I will write. But you're, it definitely makes you wonder, like, mm-hmm. uh, was she jealous? And is she now feeling guilty that Stella is seeing that? Or is Stella, is this kind of a product of her operation? Yeah. And that, you know, she's yeah. basically uses Tina. And Tina and Stella are estranged. They're both widows at this point and just yeah. a depressing book comes to a depressing end it wasn't that bad it was sad it was sad you cannot tell it me that was... story was not sad no it was but it also it was the, these people such a hard life and went through so much only to be torn apart at the end yeah 
I mean, it's definitely sad. It just didn't hit me as hard. I was just like, my God, as other sad things not go right for them. Like, I wasn't like bawling my eyes out or anything. It was just one of those like very real. Plot. It's not lighthearted. It's not lighthearted. It's very heavy. It's very dense. It's very very good. I, well, I and- absolutely read another book of hers. Yeah, and you're right. It is very real. And I think that's, well, I know that's why I liked it, but I also think that's why I didn't feel as sad because I was like, okay, but they survived it all. Like these horrible, horrible things happened. But they're yet, not sure. I know, but it's like they still persevered through it all, which I guess the the overall saddest part is that, yeah, she and Tina aren't together anymore. They're but not that's also nobody's happy. Like, damn it. I want to be happy. I think Tina was still happy. I don't think. How could you be happy when this who you grew up and you idolized and was your best friend now hates you? But she, Tina has such a strong bond. At this point, the Stella's children would rather be around Tina than Stella. So they, she's still fulfilled in other ways. Yes, it's still sad that she doesn't have the close bond with her sister, but it's not like, it's not like the whole family disowned her and she's sitting there by herself. Like she still has... Yeah. that aspect of the family and she is still looking out for Stella even though Stella doesn't care about her at all like she asks her twice did you go sit with your your grandma well maybe you should go back over at the end and like yeah. Tina still looks out for Stella even though Stella doesn't but look out get- for her no. I don't know that was an interesting ending for me it was like oh like is I like it is she feeling guilty I don't know I never took it that way, but didn't either. But it just makes you think at the end. Yeah, the open endedness of it definitely that way. Yeah, but there is so much that we did not cover, and this even turned out like we were trying to be very brief, and we still didn't. But we're very broad. I thought we were pretty brief for the material that this book kind of gives you but it's very good yeah it's a great book definitely and this was her debut and her only novel to date like yeah I know I'm interested to see if this author comes out with anything else and I saw that she had written like I was looking on her website of other writing and there's some pieces that she did for magazines and things here and there that I'm interested to read because some of them a lot of them do have like an Italian family tie yeah. So I just love that. And I love the realism that is injected into this. Yeah. So definitely one to look out for if she it's interesting comes up. she's an editor and a an, yes. like publisher. So it, I don't know, it's cool to see her like her talents in the writing as well. But yeah, I'm interested to see if she comes out with anything else and I will absolutely read it. Because her definitely. writing is beautiful. Definitely. So thank you all for listening again to part two. Um, I should have set this up top and I forgot, but this is coming out on election day. So if you've made it this far on the day of, and you still have time, go vote. Yes. It's very important. Your Exercise your right. And we'll have fought for this right, ladies. Yes. yes. Some gentlemen. 
<laughs> yes. So be sure to go exercise that right to vote. Hopefully you already did. Hopefully you still got time if you're just not listening to this. But we've if you're got... listening to us in line at the polls, if not, yes. go make yourself a poll playlist. That's what I do. Although really? at 6 a.m. So there's nobody in line. See, I live in small town America where I've never waited in line ever. I live in which big is so nice. We're waiting for that poll to open. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice, but also sometimes disheartening because, like, I went after work for Illinois primary was moved to a different time of year this year because it was really weird because of the census. So, anyways, we last time I voted was like June or something, and. So I went after work in the afternoon, and I was only, like, the 40th person, which just... Oh, in the afternoon? That's sad. I know. But I also am like, well, I'm hoping a lot of people early voted. And, yeah, there are so many precincts, like, you know, I I don't normally ever vote at that exact location. So I'm like, hopefully they just voted elsewhere. That's what I'm telling myself, at least. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah. Go vote. Go vote. And we will be back next week. We've got some good lineups this month that I'm really excited about. So we will be back next week with a repeat author and talking about one of those books. So we're excited about that. A triple repeat. We really like this. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So there's your clue. There (laughs) are a couple that it could be actually. That's the clue is to figure out what our next one, which I guess we've probably posted about on the Instagram. So it's not that hard of a guess but don't know go look at our instagram (laughs) exactly which perfect segue you can find us on instagram at life and lit pod it's where we post a lot of our content share some funny memes all that good stuff you can send us an email at life and lit pod at gmail.com and of course please give us a rating and review on spotify or apple podcasts however you're listening to us And we will be back next week with another 3P author. So until then, happy reading. Happy reading.